0: hopefully we realize the world doesn't revolve around us but rather life revolves around the person of Jesus the promised one and God keeps pointing us away from ourselves and instead to the promised one this is where the good news is that he is how we can have joy and life that it's not being self-focused but Christ-focused Welcome to this week's episode of the His Hill podcast. My name is Kelly Darty and I'm your host. Today, John Forrest will be
1: leading us in a devotion from Mark chapter 1 verses 1 to 15. And as he does, I want you to ask yourself a question. Who is Jesus? John will remind us that he's the one that God has sent. He's our life and he's and therefore we're not to be
0: self-focused, but Christ-focused. He's the one that God has sent. He is our peace, our joy, our rest. Do you know this? Do you know him? Or do you just know about him? So as you listen to John, be asking yourself this question. Who is Jesus? All right, well, hello, everybody. Um, It's good to be back with you all. So we are about to welcome our students when this is being recorded Uh, and our students are going to come tomorrow, which will be uh, Wednesday uh, the 6th. And so we're really grateful to the Lord for all of them coming and the ones that he's bringing. Just we would ask that you all just be be praying for our student body as we begin a new year and it's just a, a wonderful time for them to be able to hear about Christ and just who He is, and so we're excited. Staff are refreshed after the the break that we've had, and we're getting everything ready, and we're looking forward to having them. So thank you for your prayers. Uh, so I'm gonna just share a little bit from the Word, and I'm gonna be looking at Mark chapter one. But uh, in Mark chapter eight, before I start off there, just want to look at a couple verses. I've just been thinking about this quite a bit uh, over the last several months over camp and uh, in Mark chapter 8, and this is a common common conversation that uh, I've heard people have or write about. In verse 27, this is uh, Peter and the disciples talking with Jesus, and they're traveling around, and then Jesus has this private conversation with them at one point while they're walking. And in verse 27, it says, Jesus went out along with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi and on the way he questioned his disciples saying to them who do people say that I am and they told him saying John the Baptist and others say Elijah but others one of the prophets and he continued by questioning them but who do you say that I am and Peter answered and said to him you are the Christ and that question of you know who do we say that Jesus is? What do we do with Jesus is the most important question that we'll ever answer in our lives. Who do we believe Jesus is? And so I've been thinking through how is Jesus identified in the gospels? How does he identify himself? How do other people identify him? Who is he considered to be? Who is Jesus? And so I just thought I'd take a little bit of time to talk about uh, Jesus being the promised one and there's so many different you know, titles that we could we could look at or aspects of who Jesus is and so there's a lot more we could we could talk about but I just want to look at Jesus being the promised one so in mark chapter 1 we see that the beginning of uh Jesus' introduction into public ministry. And this is with John the Baptist. And then once John the Baptist is uh, is arrested, then Jesus is going to step onto the scene in public ministry. And just that the backdrop for the Israelites, you know, for and for all of us, in Genesis chapter 1, we're just reminded, you know, God creates Adam and Eve. And he creates humanity. And it's very clear that his desire in creating them is that humanity would have a relationship with God uh, for the glory of God. And so Adam and Eve are intended to live in relationship with each other and with God. God is walking among them. And yet instead of enjoying that perfect relationship, we see Adam and Eve rebel. And sin enters and that relationship is broken And God promises in Genesis chapter 3 that he's going to restore the relationship through the seed of the woman. So a man is going to come to restore the relationship. And we see right there, there's a promised one. And that's, as we know, is Jesus. And so Jesus comes onto the scene in Mark chapter 1. And it's a fulfillment of this promise that God had made in Genesis chapter 3. But God had known about even before Genesis 3, before the fall even took place, it had already been determined that Christ would come and atone for the sins of the world. And so we get to Mark 1. In verse 1, it says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, and make his paths straight. And so he quotes there uh, about John the Baptist. He's quoting from both Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1 and Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3. Two different places in the prophets that God had already told Israel that he was going to send a messenger to prepare the way for the promised one. And so he's making a promise about Christ coming. And not only about Christ coming, but also John the Baptist coming. And, and so he's saying, that before the Savior comes into the world, I'm going to send a messenger to prepare the way. Before the, the Savior is announced to the world, there's going to be someone who comes to, to make things ready. And it's like, you know, if you watch a sporting event and sports announcers, they have this pregame show and they can talk for an hour, two hours, just about the game that's about to happen. And they're preparing the audience to to bring them up to speed on all the different players and things that have been going on in order to get people ready for the event that's about to happen. And God says, I'm going to send a messenger in order to prepare the people for the the main person who is coming, the promised one, the Christ. And so that's who John the Baptist is intended to be. And so the people, Israel, they're waiting for the messenger. Even before they're waiting for the Messiah, they're waiting for the messenger. They're anticipating the one who's going to come in the name of Elijah, you know, that's going to be announcing the Messiah's arrival, And each of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all talk about the messenger who came before the Messiah showed up, before the Savior arrived. And as I've already mentioned, that's John the Baptist. And so it's interesting that God sent a message through Malachi and Isaiah about a messenger. He sends a message about a messenger, and you think, why do you need to send a message to somebody telling them that a message is coming? And and yet, you know, sometimes you, you might send an email to somebody and then you text them and say, hey, just so you know, I just sent you an email. Uh, and it's like, why do we do that? Well, it's because we're communicating that the email has some kind of significance or importance. We want to make sure that people check and read the message, the email that we sent. And so maybe we send a text message on top of the email. And, you know, it's almost that kind of thing that not only is it just a testimony of God's sovereignty and his omniscience and is working all these things together in human history, but he sends this, the prophets promising that the messenger is going to come so that the people will be more inclined to listen to the messenger. They'll take the messenger seriously and so he tells him in advance, "A messenger is going to come, preparing the way for the promised one." And so in Mark chapter one and verse four, after quoting the, the two prophets there, it says, "So John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance, for the forgiveness of sins. And then in verse six, John was clothed with camel's hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. And his diet was locusts and wild honey. And he was preaching and saying, after me, one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. And, you know, we see where is it that John's ministry takes place? Yeah, and, and this is what he's known for. Uh, John the Baptist is known as being the one in the wilderness, clothed in camel skin, and, uh, and he's eating locusts and honey. And his ministry takes place in the wilderness. And, you know, when you look at the ministries of, of both John and Jesus, they have such an upside down ministry from what people would expect. You know, that they would anticipate that when the Savior comes, he's coming as king. That's what Israel was expecting, uh, that they were expecting Christ to function in a certain way and and we do that in our own lives you know how easy it is for me to presume that god is supposed to work in a certain way and yet i'm often disappointed because my expectations are wrong not god's work it's my own my own perception of how things are supposed to be what i consider to be best but jesus and john they both have this this unexpected setting jesus comes as a carpenter Simple, lowly, you know, people ask him if they can follow him and he says, you can, but birds of the air have nests and foxes have holes, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. That Jesus has an unexpected lifestyle where he's, he doesn't have a home. John the Baptist, this great messenger that people would have expected to be coming and traveling to all the major cities in Israel to announce the coming Messiah, Instead, the people have to go into the wilderness in order to hear the messenger's message. And it's not what they would have expected. It's not what they would have imagined the messenger's setting to have been. And, and we can have these expectations on the ministry that will take place in our own lives, or we expect that as Christians and as followers of Christ, Ministry, we know it's going to take place from a pulpit. You know, we know ministry is going to take place going to a foreign country or it's going to take place at a Bible school. And we have these certain settings that we say that's where the real ministry is likely to happen. The real ministry is likely to happen if Jesus is king seated on a throne in Jerusalem. The real ministry is going to happen if John the Baptist, the messenger, is going to the major cities and having big crowds in the cities that he can declare his message to preparing the way. But the way that God has both John the Baptist and Christ's quote-unquote ministries working out is in an unexpected setting. And just a reminder for us that the ministry that the Lord is wanting to do in our lives isn't supposed to fit a certain mold in the sense of it's not restricted to a synagogue, to being in a church building, but the ministry is just being where the Lord has us today. It's is availability to Him. And, and we can get, you know, in, in the world of experts and degrees, Uh, We expect, okay, you go to school and you get your degree, and that means that you are well-versed in that area, which then means you're allowed to speak into that area of life because you studied it. And we think about that, how it carries over into the church, and that we reserve the calling to proclaim Christ and share Christ with people to those who are quote-unquote experts, And to those who have gone to a Bible school or a Bible college, those are the ones that we would expect to be uh, in, in settings where they're leading a Bible study or sharing Christ with others. But that's not God's design. He calls all followers of Christ to be witnesses, proclaimers of who He is. And so... The things that, that John says about Jesus as the messenger, he's preparing the way for the promised one. And the things that John says about him uh, that we just see there in, in verse 7, says, As he was preaching, he says, After me, one is coming who is mightier than I, and I'm not fit to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. And John wants to very strongly communicate just his place in all of this and the significance and the greatness of Christ himself. And, and that's just so good. It's so refreshing seeing that, uh, that it's not about us making sure that we are somebody so we can communicate about somebody, but rather John shows us he's a nobody and he's communicating about somebody. And, uh, and so that's just a, a good reminder, you know, that we, Get to not be seeking our own interests, our own self, and promoting ourselves, but just like John says, you know, he must increase, I must decrease, and it is the temptation in our own pride, in in ourself, to try to be self preserving, and we think self preservation is most effectively maintained by self-promotion. And yet, Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. And and I think scripture is clear that actually the road to life, self-preservation, the road to life is on the path of death, that we die to self. And Jesus says, whoever wants to save his life, It sounds like self-preservation. Whoever wants to save his life, I want to, he has to lose it. And so so that means that the road to life is by dying to self. John the Baptist knows this, and he, he is willing to die to self because he understands who Jesus is. And this is why understanding and asking this question, who is Jesus? You know, it's so important in our relationship with the Lord because this is what, what growth means. This is coming to a greater understanding and belief of who Jesus is according to Scripture. And so John is, John is quick to uh, make little of himself, and make much of Christ. And then he goes on in verse nine. And it says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And so John the messenger has been going out, proclaiming that the the Messiah is coming, the kingdom of God is at hand. And then here in Mark chapter one, we are introduced to this man named Jesus. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. And what did he do when he came? He's baptized. And verse 11 says, And a voice came out of the heavens. And we ask a question, who is Jesus? And the voice said, you are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. Look at that. God makes it so clear who Jesus is. Adam was created, and in his rebellion, he was separated from God. God was not pleased. Christ comes as a second Adam, and God the Father declares clearly he is pleased with Christ. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the promised one. He's the one in Genesis 3 that was promised to come and restore man's relationship with his creator. And so Jesus is announced by God himself, by God the Father, and by John the Baptist as John baptizes him. Some time goes by and John tells that The local king, King Herod, you know that he's making some really bad choices with uh, who he's wanting to marry, marrying his brother's wife, and the king doesn't like, or Herod doesn't like the things that John the Baptist is telling him, so he has John arrested. And once John is arrested, it says in verse fourteen, still in Mark chapter one. Now, after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. And saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So in Mark chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then in verse 14 of chapter 1, it says, Jesus comes into Galilee preaching the gospel. In verse 15, Jesus says the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Three times in 15 verses, this word gospel is used. And it's almost like it's important, like it's significant. What is the gospel? You know, because it keeps coming up. And Jesus says the time is fulfilled. There's nothing more to add to it. The, the time is here. Believe in the gospel. This good news It's literally what it means. Good tidings, good news. And the famous story in Luke chapter 2 when Jesus is born, it says, you know, 30 years earlier, an angel appeared to some men, the shepherds, after Jesus' birth, and they announced saying, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. And the good news was in relation to the birth of a man. That the good news was the person of Jesus Christ. And now John the Baptist comes, and the beginning of this good news is the messengers arrived, proclaiming Jesus, exalting Christ, making clear that Jesus is greater than John the Baptist. And once John is removed from the picture, Jesus himself begins preaching the gospel. And he preaches himself. He wants people to know who he is, which is why he asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? So Jesus shows up in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. uh, But all the books beforehand... All the Old Testament, they were all pointing forward to his coming. Jesus is the promised one. And the way that people would understand good news is that it's something that they've been anticipating. How could they anticipate the Messiah unless they knew that there was a promise that a Messiah would come? Isaiah Shared about the coming Messiah. Malachi shared that a messenger was going to come preparing the way for the Messiah. The good news is the Messiah having come, his arrival, the person. Jesus is the promised one. You know, for years, people. Thought that the sun was the center. uh, I mean, sorry, that the Earth was the center of the solar system, and the sun revolved around the Earth. And what a shock it was when people realize that the Earth actually is revolving around the sun, the sun. You know that the Earth is not the center of the solar system. And in our lives, it's just easy to think that we are the center of everything. We're we're the one that we're most concerned about. And I appreciate John's testimony here. Yeah, As significant of a role as he had, having been prophesied about um, in the Old Testament, as significant of a role as John the Baptist had, he didn't consider himself to be the center. He wasn't the focal point. But he recognized... Christ is the promised one, and in our lives we get called up with the things going on, and and begin to you know subtly think in many maybe in small ways that we are the center of the universe. You know, we always feel like kids communicate that in the way that they behave. You know, kids might think they're the center of the universe, um, but as adults, you know, we recognize hopefully, that the world doesn't revolve around our kids. The world doesn't revolve around children. Uh, The person of Jesus, the promised one. And God keeps pointing us away from ourselves and instead to the promised one. This is where the good news is, that he is how we can have joy and life that it's not being self-focused, but Christ-focused. You know, as as I'm having this conversation with an individual, or maybe I'm wanting to respond in frustration over something that I just heard, and we just stop and can ask the question, who do I believe Jesus is? And recognizing that He's the one that God has sent. He's the one that God has promised for life, for reconciliation, uh, so that we can have the joy of Christ, the peace of Christ. It's not about defending myself and self-exaltation, but like John the Baptist, it's about Christ-exaltation. And so it is not being self-focused, but Christ-focused. And as we realize who jesus is i i hope and pray that we would just become more convinced that yes all things really do revolve around him and may we come to see him as the center of all things thanks
1: thank you for listening to this week's episode of the his hill podcast featuring our host kelly doherty and our principal john forrest Yesterday was arrival day for the first-year students, so all of Wednesday was filled with lots of hellos showing people around the hilltop and everyone settling in. This year we have students joining us from Australia, the Faroe Islands, Panama, all across the USA and Canada. Every fall it is a joy to stand at the beginning of a new year and know that God will make all that is currently unknown beautiful and kindred in His time. Please keep us in your prayers as we kick off this new year that God would be seen in everything we do and that the students' hearts would be prepared for the weeks ahead. Once again, you've been listening to the His Hill Podcast featuring our host, Kelly Doherty, along with our principal, John Forrest. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this week. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ. I'm Lizzie, and we'll see you next week.